your source for everything paranormal. Para-X. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Para-X, its affiliates, or its sponsors. mysterious and misunderstood aspects of the paranormal world. We bring to the table years of experience as mediums, healing channels, and paranormal investigators. We share true stories from our experiences to dispel fear where we can and help you discover the amazing layers that make up the paranormal world. You are invited to gather around the metaphysical table with us and discuss the worlds of the unseen on The Gathering Radio Show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Gathering Radio Show here on the Para-X Radio Network. This is Heidi. And I'm Stephanie. And welcome into this Talon Tuesday. It is a Talon Tuesday. It is a Talon <laughs> Tuesday, and we're excited because we have a very special guest on tonight to talk about one of our favorite subjects. So, woohoo! But exactly. so, anyway, how are you, Heidi? I am good. How about yourself? I am good. I am good. It's a uh, uh, been quite a busy week, you know. Like we're we're always saying that we're always busy, but it's true. I mean, what can I say? You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, and. We had a, an investigation that was super, super fun this weekend. Um, crazy things happened. Got Actually, we got, uh, and I'm not going to go into it really. We'll talk about it at the Paranormal Smorgasbord next week. But, boy, we got some really cool evidence. So how about you? What did you do over the weekend? It's been uh, busy as well. I had my uh, priestess, shamanic priestess circle this weekend. It's our, it was our first weekend with a new group. And so that was really powerful and amazing. And, you know, it's interesting when women come together and especially women that haven't been in a women's circle before. And when they're ready for it, they really show up and are ready to do some, some deep healing. And it was fantastic. And so we've got six more weekends together over the next, you know, eight months or so, nine months, and it'll be really interesting to see how it, um, how it unfolds. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that. Mm-hmm. And interesting, I've got a case that I'm working right now that is actually international, we'll say. I'm working with a lady in Great Britain. I won't give any details because for all the reasons, but right. uh, she was referred to me and we are we're doing an extraction Uh, basically it's a nasty entity that has a hold of her and it's one of those things that she's done her due diligence with you know everything else that it could possibly be you know is it that instead of paranormal so she's gone down the western medicine road and the mental health road and all these things and everybody's like you're you're fine and um, so she she reached out to someone that is in the paranormal in Great Britain, who I know through uh, international channels, and they said, you've got to talk to this this person. If anybody's going to be able to help you, it's her. And so we've been connecting. We've had 
a couple of sessions so far and you know it's interesting working with someone who is under attack you know it's it's one of those things that in the beginning it can be so subtle you know that it it just seems so easy to brush off you know as so many things in the paranormal are you know they start small and a lot of times they amount to nothing there's nothing that happens and they go away or whatever but some of these beings they they are just planting seeds you know and they're just getting their their hooks in and over time they grow and gain strength and grab a foothold and by the time you realize this is a big deal this is really something bad it's like you can't just make it go away you know it won't it won't happen by whatever you try to do yourself you know so you need some kind of external help usually mm-hmm. um she's you know talked with um religious personnel and and everything i mean it's it's you know she's done everything that she knew to do and so i'm i'm glad i can work with her and i'm glad technology you know allows uh, nowadays allows yeah, yeah allows us to happen because otherwise it would be well i would hope that she would find someone else that would be closer of course but since we can connect and we can do this through technology it it works well and I actually had Tim help me on the session today because I'm like, dude, I need all eyes and ears on this one. And yeah. what, what's helpful when we work together is we have a spirit guide I think I've talked about before and he comes in and works with us. And he was there the first session, of course, but then the second session, um, you know, it's just it's different when there's three of us, you know, including Tim working and Anyway, it was it was really powerful, and so I was grateful to be able to help her today. But, you know, it's interesting, too, with as much as we can do, we also have to know when to stop because people are, they're so strong and they're yep. so fragile all at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's only so much that someone can handle, and, you know, we have to be aware of that because you can't... Um, there has to be sometimes a point where you have to stop and say, I'm sorry, we can't continue, but it's for your own safety and your own good mm-hmm. that we have to stop. And, you know, we trust when spirit says, you know, the good spirits that are helping us, the angels and everything that are saying it's time to stop at this point. We have to trust them that that's the right place to stop, too. So anyway, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. I feel terrible for her because she's just been suffering for a couple of years now and um, so we're figuring out the whys, the where's, the hows, and I think, you know, we may have one or two sessions left and we'll have it taken care of for her. But yeah, it's, it's nice, you know, to be able to help someone that doesn't know where else to turn, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's been something I'm working on this week, yesterday and today were our first two sessions. We've got another session coming up in a couple of days mm-hmm. so that she can be in the energy that we where we stopped today, it's yeah. good for her to be in that energy and see how things have shifted. And then she can tell us the next time we meet, like, where are things at for her? So we mm-hmm. were on the same page, you know? So, yeah, yeah, it, it was good. It's, it's oh, exhausting stop. though. It's exhausting doing that kind of stuff. Um, I bet. <clears throat> so it's like, you know, <laughs> you want to help and then you need a nap. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> As so many things in life are, you do something and then you need a nap, right? I know, I know, right? Well, you know, things we do as tiring, you know, when you deal with the supernatural, it's it's very exhausting work, I think, you know? So yeah. just Absolutely. exhausts the energy so. right out of us. But 
speaking about being grateful for technology that you're you're able to do that, you know, I am very grateful for the technology that allows us to watch these fabulous eagles on the DNR Eagle Cam, aren't you? Absolutely. I've got them up right now and I've been watching them like an eagle for the last two weeks because Mm -hmm. of some fun stuff that's been happening. Oh, it's so fun. And as you know, eagles are are one of my spirit animals for Mm -hmm. for sure. I've been watching them for a thousand years. And so tonight we have Lori, Lori Nelman on from the DNR to talk to us about the eagles. Hi, Lori. How are you? Hi, I am well. How are you doing? Oh, we are great. It's fun to have you back on. You know, we, this is, I think this is like the third time, right? So it's kind of like a yearly, our yearly fix. Uh-huh. It is. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure that we did it the year of the, the first year of the pandemic, but um, but last year we, we last did. Last year so. we did for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, and... You know, they're just, it's so cool because I think last year when we had you on, we had you on in February, I think. So I think the news at that time was mama had just laid an egg, right? So that was super exciting. Yeah. And this year we waited until now because we were hoping that the eaglets would be here and there are two this year. Yes, there are. And I'm pretty excited about that. Yep. Oh, and do you, how many did she have last year? Because I can't, I couldn't remember. She had two last year as well. Okay. Um, this pair seems to be two. That's their deal, mm-hmm. and that's and that's good. It's easier mm-hmm. to take care of two. Um, and it's you know when there's three in the nest, we've had we've had tragedies um, when mm-hmm. there were when there were three because the third one is usually several days behind the first one and they kind of attack each other um, yes. <laughs> right out of the egg. They start going after each other because it's just a competitive, um, you know, it's an innate, innate thing that they just are competitive right out of the shell, you know, mm-hmm. for food and for, for attention. And, and it's um, just a survival instinct for them. Mm-hmm. It is, it is hard to watch though. You know, it's, it's, (laughs) it is super hard because, you know, the first one hatched a couple of days before the second one. And so Mm -hmm. by the time she hatched or he hatched, you know, already this older one was going after her. And, um, I know in the, in the group on Facebook, you know, people are saying, well, I don't know. I just can't watch this, you know, for a couple of weeks now. And I'm like, well, it is nature. It is hard to watch, but it seems like it seems like they've gotten a little bit better in the last couple of days about maybe not being so rough, you know? They have. It's interesting. Um, you know, the thing that I find the most interesting about watching these creatures, about watching the eagles on the camera, is that is not only the learning and the you know, the development of the chicks, but also the learning and development of the adults. You know, we know that this pair was probably a very young pair, um, especially the male. We weren't sure about the female, but she has evolved over the last couple of years. And I think what she's doing is as soon as she starts seeing that aggressive behavior by the older one, she gets on, to, she stops feeding and she gets on top of them mm-hmm. and snuggles in and just makes them go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know what? You're in a, you're, you're in a timeout now. You're you in know? a timeout. And, yeah. Yeah, it's just what a good mom. 
I, I think it's really making a difference. And I don't recall ever seeing that before. This is our 10th year of having the Eagle Cam. And, um, you know, of course, there were a couple of years in there where we didn't have either the camera or or eggs. But um, I, I don't recall ever seeing that kind of behavior by the adults before. And the male has just really stepped up, um, figuring out that he's he has to bring home the food. Um, mm-hmm. And there is so much food in the nest right now. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> it's littered with food. Yes. I seem to remember last year... Lori, that everyone was worried that he wasn't bringing enough food for them. Exactly. He you wasn't. And, um, you know, I have, um, I have a still shot of him last year when the first egg was laid. And I think we talked about this um, last year. He just stood there and looked down at this egg like, what is that? What the heck is that? Where did that come from? What, what is that? And I just, this still shot, you get, you know, obviously that's anthropomorphizing, but it, right. it was just, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. And so he was definitely new. I mean, you can tell that he's, he is also, his head is, head color is changing now to pure yes. white and his, yes. beak, his beak has become, I, he looks like he may have had an old injury on, on his beak um, yeah. closer up between his eyes. But his eyes have turned bright yellow. When he first came to the nest, his eyes were still a little bit brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can tell that they're and they're so they're kind of growing as a as a pair as yeah. well. Yeah, um, which is really neat, neat to watch. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, because I remember the first time I saw him, I thought, "Wow, he's really young." How old do you think? I think he was. Did you say like he was like four or something? Because they're five when they're mm-hmm. totally white, right? Exactly. And so yeah. we think he was four and a half, you know, the first, when he first showed up, it was like probably January. And so assuming that eagles eggs hatch and that they're, <clears throat> you know, like born yeah. in March or whatever. So he was probably, yeah, just, just turning five probably yeah. based on his colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fun to watch them evolve, but I remember you know, just, just going back a few years, the original mom and dad that were on the nest when I think the cam first started, um, mm-hmm. I just remember the last year she was there, something happened to the dad, right? And I don't know that he was ever found, was he? Because t- didn't she lay a couple of mm-hmm. eggs and then he disappeared and then she had mm-hmm. all these other suitors? And, you know, and I remember mm-hmm. I was at mm-hmm. the nest Dave and I went went to the nest one day, and they were fighting over her. There were a couple of big males, and they had actually locked talons, you know. And we thought, mm-hmm. oh my god, this mm-hmm. is bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then and then she yeah. she blew the coop, right? She never came back. Um, right. And then and Miss that, Nancy came. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know. I think I think Miss Nancy is probably one of the ones that she was fighting. Um, it was a territorial battle and she had not, the original mom had not laid any eggs yet. She mm. had been mating with who they called quote Bill. Oh yeah. Bill. The, yeah. He had, he had a blue spot on his tail. So that's how we identified him. And I don't know where that blue spot came from. You know, maybe he got hit by a car, who knows where that came from, but it was, it was an identifying feature that was easy to tell. And so he was like, you know, not the original dad, but I mean, he had been her partner for at least that year. And then 
all of these other suitors kept coming in. And I think that the original mom was just, she, for one thing, she was probably getting older because we know that she was at least 13. Mm -hmm. And then, and then she was ready to lay eggs. I mean, it was right, ready. You know, she was ready at that time. And I think she just said, I got to go lay eggs and it's not going to happen here. And I think she just took off and we did get a report from, um, <clears throat> nearby, um, that there was a nest where all of a sudden a female showed up and she was incubating and they had not seen this bird before. And, and oh. so, you know, we're just guessing cause of course it didn't yeah. have a camera on that mm-hmm. nest. And so we're just mm-hmm. guessing that that's what happened to her. And, um, you know, I think Nancy came in and, you know, she just, she took over. Yeah. <laughs> she was young, younger, stronger. And mm-hmm. that's what happens. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a territorial thing. And so that's what you kind of have to think about when you see the chicks beating up on each other like that. If you think about it in the way that they are learning how to mm-hmm. defend themselves, but that's what they do. That's how yeah. they, that's how they get big and strong and learn um, how to fight and learn how to tangle and tussle. And they mm-hmm. have to, in order to make it in the wild. Wow. Right. And- so. Well, and there's so many nests. There's so many nests in that area, right? There's mm-hmm. a couple that I know mm-hmm. of that are just down the river from there. Right. There are many. There are many um, yeah. nests around the metro area, and um, I, I, I haven't, I haven't heard a recent count, but I mean they're literally on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling people that you know eagles wouldn't nest within 50 miles of each other when I first started my job many, mm-hmm. many years ago. Um, but it was true. I mean, it was, that was yeah. actually true back then, but that was because there were hardly any bald eagles and there's, they still have that territorial um, instinct and they still would battle for their territory, but it was a much bigger territory. Now, now they, you know, they still tussle and things, but they're, but they stick to a smaller sort of a, sort of a territory, but they certainly have, obviously plenty of food source mm-hmm. um and and that's why a lot of them do resort to roadkill um and um you know backyard critters things like that because they are in a metro area and um which leads to the you know the dangerousness of of feeding of bald eagles feeding on roadkill that's why i think you know like i said bill may have had a blue mark on his tail because he and who knows, you know, maybe hit a car or something. And yeah. they do survive for Hardly. area, and um, which leads to the, you know, the dangerousness of, of feeding, of bald eagles feeding on roadkill. That's- we can't hear our producer and Skype is doing weird loopy things. We're, it's like the twilight zone tonight. <laughs> I know. So this is oh, crazy. So, well, that's okay. That's all right. One of the one of the comments, Lori, I saw you make. Um, I don't know if it's on the Facebook page or where it was, but you had talked about someone giving you a heads up about a deer that was on the side of the road, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, you were thankful that they told you guys so you could move it closer to the nest so that the eagles wouldn't, um, you know, get hit if they went down after it because you assumed that they would at some point or you you know they probably would because it was close so someone was able to go and right scoop the the deer out of the road for them yes so it's 
you know, the nest, we don't reveal the location of it, but it is on a very busy road that is um, traveled quite a bit by semis. And so there are lots and lots of trucks, industrial trucks that drive by there. And um, one of the photographers that, that um, Thomas Demma, who is, um, he, he's just a great, he's not just a photographer. He's like the caretaker. Isn't he he um, cleans up garbage around the area and he's just, he's just fabulous. Um, raises money for the non-game program, all kinds of things. And he had texted me and said, you know, there's a deer and he took a picture and showed me it was right there. I mean, right near the road that you can see sometimes when I'm panning the camera around, you can, you, it was right there on the road. And I thought, Oh boy, that's not good. <laughs> you know, they're definitely going to try and feed on that. And um, in fact, Thomas has moved raccoons off of the road for the same reason in the past, um, dead raccoons, because, you know, those eagles will go right down there and yeah. try and feed. And sometimes they will gorge themselves so much. Um, they, you know, they'll feed and feed and feed when food is kind of scarce and they can't lift off and fly right away because oh. they've eaten too much. Yeah. Oh. So, wow. So they, you know, so they'll just kind of, you know, hang around and I get calls all the time from people saying there's this eagle and it's been standing there for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, yep. You ever eaten a gigantic meal like Thanksgiving? Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's what happens. Um, I can't so, move. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, um, I got a hold of our, our, fabulous DNR local local maintenance staff and they went over there and moved it I mean this isn't something that we would typically do but um, you know since it was convenient and they were they were nearby um, we uh, asked I asked if they could move it and and they just yeah sure we can go over there so they went and moved it Uh, and they you know probably Mindot or someone else would have moved it off of the road anyway and I thought well it's, you know, it makes sense to leave it there as food for them because why not, right? So I think yeah. that, you know, so, so they moved it closer to the nest and I zoomed down with the camera to see if they had moved it yet. And we actually caught the truck right there. And of course, everyone in the camp watching the cam at the time was like, oh my God, what's going on? You know, and they saw this mm-hmm. truck and it was actually a DNR truck, but you couldn't see the logos on it. So, um, <clears throat> and uh, it... That was just last Monday, mm-hmm. and it's so it's been just a little over a week, and that carcass is almost completely cleaned oh, off. I saw wow. a picture. Did you? You must have zoomed in on it with the camera or something, because I saw hardly anything left. You know, <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping to find something feeding on it, so I would zoom down there every once in a while. And of course, you know, we have. Um, classrooms and things watching the camera so I didn't want to zoom in on it for very long but I just wanted to see if we could catch anything feeding on it and I never did but yeah um the male he definitely brought a piece of it into the nest last week oh yeah there's it looks like a part of the um hip bone or the pelvis or something and it's hard to tell what it what exactly it was but um and then of course I think the raccoons are really I think it it kept the raccoons away from the nest because I think they were were, feeding on that. Yeah, and they were kind of being a a problem with the nest, right? Because I saw a lot of comments saying, why Mm -hmm. don't those eagles just eat that raccoon? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of big, (laughs) first of all. 
you know, but yeah. They are. They are kind of big. And, and the other thing that people don't really realize because the infrared light makes it look like it's so bright in the nest, but it's actually pitch dark. Mm-hmm. And so, and eagles don't have very good night vision. They have great vision during the day, but they really don't have great night vision. And so, um, you know, because they've got the brown pupils instead of the vertical pupils like cats do or mm-hmm. other, you know, other cr- critters who have better night vision. And so that's one thing that, you know, they know that the raccoons are, are there and that they're coming up and they can hear them, but they don't necessarily, they can't necessarily tell, yeah, you know, exactly where they that are sounds- to attack them. Although, I have to say, you know, the male has done a great job of coming in and, and just nailing those raccoons from time to time. I've I've caught it if I'm actually watching, the, yeah. if I'm actually operating the camera that late at night. Yeah. And I, I yeah. And so it's, and, and it seems like they were a little, they've, the raccoons were, are a little worse this year than they have been in the past. Um, but that's just the location that they are. And, you know, as people suggested trapping them or, or removing them or something, and, you know, other ones would just move in. So it doesn't make mm-hmm. much sense yes. to, no. to try and yeah. get rid of the ones that are there. Yeah. So um, we have a – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, plus there there are predators for the raccoons, too. I caught a coyote on the nest oh. um, a, a week or so ago. Not on the nest, on the camera. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just zooming around, and I saw this critter down there, and I zoomed in on it, and sure enough, there was a coyote running around. So I think that that, you know, that's probably feeding on the carcass also, but it probably also helps to deter the raccoons. So oh, sure. Na- nature knows best. It does. Yeah. You know what? And that's where, when you're talking about trapping, you know, people wanting you to trap the raccoons, and which sounds like, you know, that's not even going to work anyway, but yeah, then something else will come and get the raccoons and then something else will come and get that. So it's, yeah, it'll all take care of itself. I would imagine. I think so. We have a question in the chat room for you. Okay. um, From Karen. Uh She said, is the Eagle population booming because of the abundance of deer? No, not necessarily. Um, the eagle population is booming because of habitat. Um, that's generally the reason for any kind of a population, um, you know, stability of a population of, of any cr- creature is usually a habitat thing, unless it's a hunted species. And then sometimes those species are managed for, you know, for hunting and things like that. But um, it, it, no, in fact, I would say, I would say almost the opposite, and that's a little controversial, but during the hunting season, um, when gut piles are left in the woods, um, they are often taken by lead bullets, and eagles will eat those gut piles. In fact, they have learned when the hunting season is. They hear the shots, they go to the gut pile, and and um, will gorge on it, and there is often lead within those gut piles. And the, there was a research study that came out just a few weeks ago that from the East Coast that states that now the bald eagle population is in fact being affected by lead poisoning. Um, whereas over the last couple of decades, 
they've been saying, well, the population of bald eagles is stable, it's it's steady, it's doing fine, even though a few die of lead poisoning, it's not really affecting the population. But now there's a, there's actual published research that states, yes, in fact, it is affecting them at the population level, which is really kind of sad. Um, ah. And cer- ah. certainly, I mean, certainly, you know, deer do provide food for the eagles, and I would say that our deer po- population in Minnesota probably does help but it's not it doesn't cause a boom necessarily in the population our population in minnesota of bald eagles has um always been relative to to the other states has always been a little bit higher and it's because of our lakes eagles are considered bald eagles are considered fish eagles and that's because their feet and their toes um uh, have are textured in a way that they can grab fish easily and hang on to it. And so they're really in this, in this classification called fish eagles. And that's, we have so many lakes in Minnesota. That's, that's what it is. I mean, so that's the habitat piece of it. Um, And right now, if you look, I mean, there's, there's proof in the nest. You look at what's in the nest right now and there's, there's sunnies, there's a carp, there's some really colorful fish that I don't know what it is, and I have to send it to our fisheries guys and find out what it is because it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, so I, it's it's um, it's the lakes and and the open water in the wintertime that keeps a lot of our eagles around all year. Oh yeah, you know what? We do have to go to commercial break, and we do have some other questions and thoughts on the chat room that we'll get back to, but. Uh, we'll be back in okay. two minutes. This is the Gathering Radio Show on the Para X Radio Network. Those geek ladies, Sean and Victoria, from Exploring the Paranormal with Geeks Paranormal, are at it again with another amazing season full of paranormal celebrity interviews with amazing guests and stories of haunted locations and so much more. You will hear it first on Para-X. Tune in Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Central. You will not be disappointed. with Cat Paranormal of Minnesota. And I'm Jerry Ayers with Supernatural Investigators of Minnesota. And together, we are The Calling. Every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only on ParaXRadioNetwork.com. Anywhere. Thanks for making Para-X part of your day. Your source for everything paranormal. Para-X. Back to the Gathering Radio Show on the Para-X Radio Network. We are talking about eagles tonight, and I think all of us on the show right now have our eagle cam up. 
and are watching the night vision of the eagles. And Lori, we have you with us from the DNR. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. And we have some questions. Yeah, we have some questions for you from the chat room. Great. So we'll get to it. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Karen was asking about your thoughts on how the eagles are, if or are they affected by the uh, current bird flu that's going around right now or that we've heard about in the news? Not in Minnesota. Um, It's only just been detected in Minnesota at a couple of, I believe, um, two poultry farms. Mm -hmm. Um, And bird flu has been around for many years, um, not necessarily the same strain. We are concerned about our wild birds, for sure, including eagles. Um, But generally, well, I shouldn't say generally, a lot of the time, most of the time, the flus are contained before they spread to the wild population. Um, you know, we, but that doesn't minimize our concern. It has been found, you know, it started on the East coast, I believe. And there are maps up on the, um, uh, USGS, U S geological survey has maps up of where the locations are, where it has been found. And generally it does start at, you know, poultry places where there are huge concentrations of birds in small areas, and that's how it spreads. So, so far, no, so far we're not, you know, but we do have to take precautions. And so when we will band the chicks um, in May, we'll have to be using, you know, gloves and taking special precautions to uh, handle the birds because it is this particular strain um can be zoonotic, meaning that it can spread to humans. Oh. Oh, dear. um, Okay. I thought you were going to say, like, we could give them something, but no, they could give us something. Or we could give it to them. Right. Zoonotic means that it can jump species. And that's why, you know, it can, that's why it can spread from, you know, poultry farms to wild birds and, and things like that. But also um, when it's zoonotic, it means that it is also something that humans can get, which, you know, has happened in China. Um, you know, there was a bird flu in China several years ago that, and I don't know that it's necessarily completely contained there. But um, like I said, it's, it's you know, these types of diseases um, do sort of travel around the world and we don't always know about them, you know, but this one is, um, seems to be particularly virulent and that's why we are concerned, but not necessarily in Minnesota just, just yet, which is, which I'm, you know, kind of, kind of glad that it's not happening during the nesting season, but as the year wears on and it gets warmer out, um, that's when birds are congregating more and, it gets to be a little more worrisome, but our disease specialists are on it and um, Department of Agriculture is doing everything possible to keep it from spreading. Wow. That's scary, right? Gosh, mm-hmm. there's so many things mm-hmm. to worry about. But I have, so we're talking about lead poisoning and why can't we stop making bullets without lead? I mean, can't we make it illegal and why don't we? Because this has been an issue for a long time and when eagles get lead poisoning, they really suffer, right, Lori? I mean, it's not like they just fall over dead. Mm-hmm. They suffer for a lot. It's horrible. It, it is. And, you know, one of the things that came out in this in the research that I cited was that there are even 
bald eagles that are not showing any symptoms still have low levels of lead in their in their blood, which you know many many humans probably do too. We probably don't even know about it. Yeah. But, um, it's it's certainly if they have a high enough concentration of it, they do really really suffer. And um, you know the agency that I work for. I, I know a lot of people blame the DNR for having um, that, you know, that there's lead out there, but it's much bigger than the Department of Natural Resources, the issue of lead in the environment and the uh, manufacturers of lead are much bigger than any one organization. Um, but I do know that there have been um, organizations that have brought bills to legislators in Minnesota um, talking about, you know, hoping to get this, you know, sometime passed sometime. Um, but just like anything, it's a, it's, it's political and yeah. it's not something that is necessarily going to, you know, happen overnight, but, but you're right. I mean, it's been an issue for I, literally decades and decades. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, there are papers from 1937. Wow. That show led how, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's it like you know, something that. Well, and I'm guessing that it doesn't only affect eels. It probably affects all birds of prey, right? Because owls, would owls feed on that? Maybe not. Maybe not. But hawks for sure, right? So, you know, kind of. Yeah, is, well, it, and it, just, it just depends on the species. You know, some species will only eat live prey. Mm-hmm. Um but just peregrine falcons, they don't, mm-hmm. they won't pick up necessarily roadkill. They will only go after live prey. Um, and then there are some species such as turkey vultures can eat just about anything and not die mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. Um, and there's fascinating research that goes on with them to study their stomach enzymes because they want to know what it is that they have in their enzymes that allows them to live through eating rotten lead laced stuff and not die from it right so ah. um it does de- it does depend on the species mm-hmm. amazing but yeah we just get rid of that that's just non-essential you know we don't need to have that which is yeah which is another reason why it was great to you know we knew that that deer had been hit by a car so we knew yes. it didn't have lead and at least you know at least it wasn't killed by lead um, and so putting, leaving that carcass out there was certainly a beneficial thing. And we know that, I mean, I, I know Harry came up to the nest at least one time with blood all over his head. So I know mm-hmm. he must, that, that must've been what he was doing because there, you know, he's not going to get that all over <laughs> the top of his white head from a fish. Right. Probably. So, <laughs> right. Oh. Gosh. So we did have another question in the chat room. It was a ways back, and so I had to, to fish it out. But I think it was Kat was wondering, at the time, watching the eagle cam, the eagle was picking up sticks and kind of poking around just where, I'm, I'm guessing it's the mom sitting there. I don't know who's sitting there right now, uh, but was poking at sticks. And I've seen this, especially since the eggs have been there, you know, the, and the, bir- the, the babies. What is she doing? when she's picking at the sticks as she's sitting there and picking around and stuff, what is she doing with that? Um, well, she's, she's doing it because it's kind of a natural instinct. I mean, they're kind of making and fixing their nest all year round, but also they are trying to build up what, what they call rails on the side of the nest. And so 
there are a lot of sticks that um, have been sort of matted down or blown around by the wind. And so the, the rails help keep it, keep the chicks inside of the nest when they start to get bigger and they start to get a little more mobile. Um, these, if they're, if they have big, big sticks around them, it's going to prevent them from just, you know, sailing off the edge of the nest. Mm. Um, we've never seen that happen on, on our cam. I don't know that it's ever happened. I mean, it, it's pretty rare because eagles, you know, are such great nest builders. Obviously they've got this, you know, 1500 pound nest that, um, but when it's windy out and things like that, things get shook around, you know, so it's kind of just housekeeping. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. They're keeping, they're keeping house and they're kind of moving their furniture around and making sure that everything's in place and um, just a a natural instinct thing. Mm -hmm. And then she also kind of digs down. You'll see her um, and it is the female always on the nest at night. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how, you know, you know, who's on the nest at night, at least it's always the female. Um, But she's, she digs down with her beak underneath the chicks and and around the chicks and she was doing that when there were eggs as well and she's aerating it so that when there's moisture and water it keeps that it it drains it you know it's like Mm -hmm. creating a drain for the for the moisture so that's that's the other thing she's doing totally makes sense so steph and i were talking about this before we got you on the on the call and we're wondering how big a hole is it for those chicks to sit in because are they getting squished or what's happening there no, they're, they're, I mean, it's good for them to be close to each other. I mean, you figure the temperature at the nest right now is probably, what, maybe 30 degrees or less. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's cold here still. And so mm-hmm. for them to be squished next to each other is, um, you know, I mean, you figure their little bodies were squished inside of an egg, you know, <laughs> for a long time. So they're, and they're very pliable and malleable at this age. Um, they have a lot of, they're, they're like, they say they're built for bouncing at this age, you know, they're sort of built for, for moving around and being just really flexible. And so it's, it keeps them, it keeps them warm. And the bowl is probably, it's, it's a lot larger than you think it is. Mm-hmm. I would say it's probably the size of, oh, almost a soccer ball. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's what I kind of, what I was, because you know, when you, it's, it's, when you look at the nest on the cam, you don't realize how big it is until you've actually seen one in person. And until you know how big an eagle Mm -hmm. is, they're huge. So you can imagine both, both parents have been on there a lot today. I've seen them, you know, and still, there's still Mm -hmm. a lot of area room for more, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's there. Yeah. I mean, you look at the muskrats. Muskrats are not tiny creatures. I mean, they're you know, muskrats are the size of a. Yeah, they're big, and and it surprises me every year when we go to band the chicks when they bring them down, and they're, and you're like, whoa, whoa, these oh my are gosh, because they are. They're just they oh, are yeah. they are gigantic, and we had um, you know one year when we went to band the chicks, um, the camera didn't get turned off. Um, sort of, sort of accidentally, mm-hmm. we may, we, you know, intentionally turn the camera off when that happens. And when you saw the man, when you saw the guy on top of the nest, it was like, I think he could have laid, a, not, you know, like <laughs> literally, but I think yeah. if he would have been laying across the top of the nest, 
I don't know that he that from head to toe he necessarily would would have covered the entire nest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was that you know stark sure. of an image. It's like, oh my goodness, that's when you really realize how big they are. I mean, they have a six foot wingspan. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're big, and and to think now, and you, I think you said in May that you'll be banding those eagles. And I remember last year when you did that, you showed, I think you must have showed pictures, or you had something live, Lori. I remember you answering questions and showing pictures, and those mm-hmm. those chicks were as big as the parents, right? I mean, they were huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had them in mm-hmm. your on your arm, and it was as big as you almost, you know. Yeah, they're they they are. They're very big, and by the time, by the time the chicks fledge, they're the same size, if not almost larger than the adults. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's because um, their first, before their first molt, their feathers are a little bit longer, a little bit wider, a little bit stronger, to help them learn how to fly. You know, mm-hmm. to give them that extra, you know, that extra um, size in order to, to learn flight and soaring and all of that. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, they're, they are big. And I've, I've got a, I've, I've done live before where I have the mounted bald eagle that, um, that the DNR, you know, that we have um, as educational, mm-hmm. as an educational piece. And that bird had been electrocuted. And so we had it mounted and kept it so that we could use it to show people Mm-hmm. And to show kids and for educational purposes how big um, they actually are. And it's, yeah, it's a big bird. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing how quickly they grow. So these chicks now are teeny tiny bobble yeah, how big? How big are they right now? Well, you figure the egg was probably, uh, eggs are about the size of a, between the size of a baseball and a softball. And it's already been, more than a week. What are they? Mm-hmm. Days old now. I have to think back. But and so they're probably you know the size of a. They're bigger than robins for sure. They're. Um, I'm trying to think of something to compare it to that would be you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that would make sense. But they're mm-hmm. yeah. I mean they're you know they're pretty big and they do they do they I mean you think about how they're eating probably every hour. Yeah, and the size of size of the chunks of meat that the adults are giving them are huge, and yes. you know that that's all protein, and so they are really growing quickly. Wow, that's just totally amazing. So mm-hmm. Jerry in the chat room is saying um, they don't mate until they're at least five years old, but you're saying that Harry was like four. He was still a kind of a juvenile when he met Nancy, correct? Well, he was, I mean, he was just turning five. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say four and a half, okay. you know, we say four and a half just because he wasn't, he didn't have the completely have, white head yeah. by the time, by the time he started mating mm-hmm. and they were getting ready to be parents. He was, he was five, you know? Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Yep. And then, and then yep, Jerry's asking, and and do they mate for life? Um, sort of, they do. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's you know, it's just like with the original mom and the dad. Yeah, something happened to the dad, and he never yep. returned, and so she took a new mate. Yep. Um, because that's what they do. I mean, it's their instinct to procreate, and they, 
will take on a new mate if something happens to their mate. So, but, but, you know, typically they will stay together um, as long as they're both able to, as long as they're both healthy and they're both still, still around. They're not going to go philandering. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to be promiscuous and, you know, just. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, we don't know about the promiscuous. We don't. I thought it was, I I just got to say this. Uh, you know, I, I, it was on the news, Lori, and I think you were, they had you on the news talking about the little action that was going on in the nest a month or so ago. <laughs> I'm actually going to be on that show again on Thursday. Oh, yeah, you are? KSDP. Yeah. Oh. And they, yeah. they turned the camera on. Apparently they would just, you know, on their morning show, it was yeah. their morning show and they would have the camera on live just to kind of check in and see what was going on. And Harry just came in and did what Harry does. And uh, it was, <laughs> and, and they could not contain themselves. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then they called me and wanted to do an interview and, you know, and they, uh, you know, I explained the whole thing. Um, yeah. Right. My, my mother would have, would have been proud uh, that I, <laughs> you know, that I explained everything in detail that that's, that's how it happens, you know, that this is what, this is how the, um, <laughs> the whole, I love it. The egg gets fertilized and all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I thought it was great. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I think that's just hysterical that they caught, they were talking about it on radio stations and everything. It was like just the buzz <laughs> through the know. metro area I was know. the Eagles having, you know, having a fling on, on, on the cam. <laughs> well, and I think the weather guy said something like, Oh, looks like a little domestic dispute happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, it was fun. It was, it was. Amazing. Yeah, and they quickly I had to bring that they up. They quickly cause... just zoomed away from it. You know, like oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. it was pretty funny. It was awesome. <laughs> Eagle soap opera. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> hey, so know, that's what happened? Yes, absolutely. I want to make sure, Lori, that you have a chance to let people know how they can help uh, this program and other programs with the DNR. Do you want to give people the information that they can go to, and we'll share it in our chat room as well, that they can go if they'd like to donate um, or help the cause in any way? Yes, absolutely. The um, Right now it's tax time, and so our taxes are due on April 18th this year, and you can donate on your tax forms. Um, it, I believe it is even line 18 this year, um, the, the line with the loon, and that's the Minnesota non-game wildlife program. You can donate there, or you can donate online at mndnr.gov forward slash non-game forward slash donate. There's also a donate right on the Eagle Cam page when you go to watch the Eagle Cam on the Minnesota DNR website, um, which is mndnr.gov forward slash Eagle Cam, all one word. And there's a donate button there too, and you can click right on there. And that is what sustains our program. We um, are almost, we were about 80% funded through the non-game checkoff and, and the donations that come in. But then it is also matched, and now the match is double. Oh, so instead oh. of... It used to be it used to be a one to one match, and now it's a two to one match. And that extra money comes from the Critical Habitat License Plate Fund, those beautiful license plates yes. that you see on the road. 
I have one. Um, yes. You, which one do you have? I have the moose. I've had mine for a few years now, but I saw the bee one, mm-hmm. Heidi. They have one with bees. Heidi raised bees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we raised oh, bees here. Yep. So I was yeah I was going to get that mm-hmm. one because I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yep. I had the moose, and then I got the pollinator one. I've had quite a quite a few different ones, but that's because yeah. because of what I do. But yeah. So that money that money is not you know you donate ten dollars it becomes thirty. And that's all year round. There's some misconceptions about how, you know, when that happens and how often that happens. And it's all year round and you can donate all year round. Um, So, and you can also pick up a new license plate all year round too. You don't have to wait for your taps to expire. So um, yeah, so it's a, it's, it's really beneficial for our program and it allows us to do so much with all kinds of other non-game species, including, frogs and toads and all kinds of other birds and turtles and pollinators and pollinator habitat. And um, it's all on our website, all of the different projects that we have going on. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Um, so I'm just going to take a minute to plug the show of the calling radios on tomorrow night at 8 PM. There are sibling show. And uh, tomorrow night, they're going to talk about do spirits linger in spaces, spaces of dread? Maybe. I don't know. So listen in on that. Um, but, yeah, this is so fun talking with you, Lori. You know, I, you know, like I said, Heidi and I watch this camera every day, all day, if we can. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watch it. As, anytime I have my computer up, I'm watching. Yeah. and It, it know, is. It's a lot of fun. And there's there's other eagles nests, you know, like, you know, I think I texted you last year about the one that I go to often on the Mississippi and actually it's in downtown Minneapolis. You know, it's amazing how these birds have flourished in urban environments, you know, it is. just it is just amazing. And that's the one that, you know, I've been watching for years and taking pictures and going down there and talking to mama and, you um, it's just, it's so fun. It is just so fun to watch these parents have these babies and they struggle and they keep them safe and warm and grown and I, I, just totally amazing. It's so fun to watch every single year. Um, you know, and then I have mm-hmm. my owl, my owls that are just on the block, you know, so I, I'm kind of out there all the time looking at these birds. <laughs> It's awesome. And that's the other cool thing about it is that I think it really encourages people to get outside more often and to, yes. you know, see nature and enjoy Minnesota for everything that we have here. I think we're, we need to feel really fortunate that we have all of the opportunities that we do here in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I know that when you go to these nests and people know about them, I mean, the conversations that you have with people, it's really fun. It's like a, a meetup kind of, you know, and mm-hmm. I know when I've been mm-hmm. to the, when I've been to the DNR nest, I've met, you know, Tom Demma there, you know, and um, had some mm-hmm. chats. And I've actually seen him at the nest down at the river too, by me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. It's just, it's just fun. You know, it's just fun. Um, it is. They're so majestic, and to be able to get so close to these huge majestic birds is just just awe, awe-inspiring. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because they are so huge, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah. Oh gosh, they're talking about wolves and everything here. Um, yeah, just, <laughs> there's so much to talk about, honestly. But you know, unfortunately, we're out of time. We have a couple of minutes left. So, so is there anything, Lori, that you would like to add before we, you know, have to say goodbye? Um, just that a lot of people have commented on the microphone and the sound and, you know, what's going on with the sound? Why is it clicking? Where did the sound go? Those kinds of things. Um, we turned it off for a little while this year because there was just this click, click, clicking. And then people said, hey, wait a minute, turn that back on because you can actually still hear the birds mm-hmm. um, from, you know, through that clicking noise. And we think we're not really sure what caused it, but the microphone just is not operating properly. And because of the supply chain issues last year, yeah. we didn't get the new microphone in time to be able to install it before the nesting season. And so that will come. I mean, it's here. We have the new microphone, but we just can't install it until mm-hmm. after the birds are done using the nest yep. this year. So um, yeah. we'll have a new microphone and actually a new camera, hopefully, by then as well. Oh, wow. Um, and so we hope to have everything new and improved next year. Yes. Um, I love it. So, love it. And so that's why you hear that clicking noise. And, you know, I zoomed in on those raccoons, and they were right on top of the wires for the for the microphone. Were they? Darn things. I'm going to. I'm going to blame the raccoons. Yep. Yeah. They're yep. the ones who did it. Maybe they chewed them or something, you know? I have noticed that clicking. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Who knows? We, we, we just don't know. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, Lori, thank you so much for, you know, sitting around the table with us tonight and telling us about these eagles and all of the other things that the non-game, uh, we didn't get a chance much, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Um And we'll be watching. You're very welcome. Oh my gosh, it's been so fun. And and everyone thanks. Be in the nest until August. So yeah, August. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everyone, thanks for listening. And to the troops out there, thank you for listening. And and of course, thank you for your service. And everybody in the chat room, thank you so much for all your comments and questions. And wherever everybody is out there listening to our show, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Para-X for hosting us and Sarge, our most amazing producer. We finally got in contact with you. We can hear you. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, doing everything you do for us tonight. And we'll look forward to seeing everyone next week for our Paranormal Smorgasbord. Good night, everyone. <laughs>